Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about home prices, inventory, pending home sales, and if the Fed is getting what it wants on housing. First, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking to Desmond Smith, Chief Growth Officer at UWM, about SafeCheck. Desmond, how does SafeCheck work? Hey, Sarah, how are you? So I would say first, you know, SafeCheck is allowing uh, LOs to give their borrowers peace of mind. So I'd start there. You know, trigger leads have become a very large issue, not just in the mortgage space, but in any time someone's getting any type of credit. So we created SafeCheck to help prevent kind of that um, aggravation and nuance of receiving, you know, tens, twenties, hundreds of calls that consumers receive. So what happens with SafeCheck is any LO who uses UWM, an exclusive product SafeCheck is to UWM, they would be able to either pull a single or tri-merge soft pool credit report. And while that credit report is being used to run AUS, they will have time to opt their consumer out of any solicitations and then therefore they will not receive all of those annoying calls and annoying solicitations. And that is also a big benefit because the, the cost of the credit bureau is much cheaper by leveraging SafeCheck. So it really is a win um, for LOs and it's obviously a win for consumers so they don't receive so many phone calls um, offering all different types of products and services. I can see how that could be a game changer. Thank you, Desmond. And listeners, you can find out more at uwm.com. Logan, welcome back to the podcast after being on CNBC. Yes, and I just want to say that while you were in London, I had a week where nobody told me what to do on how to talk on the mic, and I got to use all my <laughs> charts, and it was freedom, and it was fun, so... Next time you go on vacation, don't feel bad for me. You know what? I am only doing that for your own good. Listen, it's like your mother. I just do it for your own good, okay? And for the good of our listeners. Sure you are. We have so much to talk about today. Let's start with, um, do you want to start with the Fed or do you want to end with the Fed? Let's let's start with the Fed and the CNBC interview that I did this morning because this, this is an interesting topic that goes into the new listings data that we uh, talked about on the tracker. So- I kind of said, you know, the Fed, maybe we're thinking about this wrong. The Fed is enacting COVID-19 policies on the housing market. They want us to stay at home, save lives, right? They don't want anybody moving. And when I talked to CNBC, I said, I I understand the Fed knows the same thing I do about uh, household balance sheets are good. So remember, we wrote wrote about this in, in February of 2021, how we needed higher rates to cool the housing market down because pricing was about to get out of control. Uh, pricing obviously got out of control, but Household balances are so good that really rates staying as high as they have or letting it get this high has, in a sense, locked you know us in a in in a mindset that the Fed doesn't really want people to move. I mean, that's the only logistical uh, uh, mindset we have to have because when we think about when mortgage rates got to six percent or heading down to six percent, 
Neil Kashkari came on TV and said, this is not good. This is making our jobs harder. So it's like, you know, if the, you know, CDC came out and said, get back in your house, you're making our jobs harder, right? So in this context, you know, the total housing costs, right? Property taxes, insurance, home prices, mortgage rates. We had a system for a decade where mortgage rates were just moving between three, three and a quarter and 5%. And it was a functioning housing market, right? Buyers and sellers, you know, home prices weren't getting out of control. Now, home prices just hit an all-time high, right? The case shiller index, by the time this uh, podcast comes out, we're going to have a housing bubble crash debate. Oh, the, 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 the timing of a housing bubble crash debate when home prices are at all-time highs. At some point, the Federal Reserve has to just relax. And I think that's the main point, that if the 10-year yield breaks down, because bond yields have started to come down, right? Job openings data is softer. Uh, ADP report uh, came in a little bit light. The growth rate of inflation, all these things, if it happens, right? If the 10-year yield comes down again, don't, don't come out on TV and say, this is not good. Stay home. You stay home. Don't go on TV and let the marketplace kind of figure itself out. This I'm not I'm not here saying cut interest rates to zero or anything like that. But if the bond market makes a move, don't bring out people to say our jobs are harder, right? Because we've done this long enough now. And uh, the concern I had uh, in the tracker article is that we were having a orderly, I mean, as good as you could hope new listing, small seasonal declines. It was beautiful to watch, right? Even though we had higher rates and this, I'm, I'm hoping, okay, this is the bottom. Maybe we could get some year-over-year growth, something. And then mortgage rates took another like higher. And for the first time this year, I saw a noticeable decline in new listings. And what I talked about on CBC, hey, listen, this is the last thing we want. We don't want another leg lower in new listings data. You know, the country is supposed to be people dating, getting married, having sex, having kids, move, buy homes. Yeah. But at this stage, you know, if the growth rate of inflation is running at 9% and job openings were at 12 million, okay, maybe you, you, you hold that. That's not the case anymore. So relax. We don't want a new listings data trending, having another downfall and just go with it and, there's only so much you can do, but uh, let the marketplace kind of do its thing. So what do you think the Fed wants right now? I mean, what what is their end game? Because, you know, we're, we've got labor reports this week. Like, like, what do you think the end game is now? So for the economy, they're getting what they want. They were always attacking the labor supply and job openings. They, a lot of people hate the job openings data. A lot of people love the job openings. The Fed loves the job openings data. So we have to go with that. Uh, job openings at 12 million, too high. Job openings are a little bit under 9 million. We're getting there. Um, I feel like they want job openings getting back to 7 million. And they would they would be totally happy with that. That's pre-COVID levels. They don't feel like you could have a big job loss recession with job openings this high. So they can manage it. So they got a good job openings had a good uh, uh, print. Now, when this, when this uh, podcast comes out, jobless claims itself would have had another print as well. So we're, we've got two more reports, labor reports, jobless claims in the, in the jobs data. Remember, uh, with the jobs data, right, we are going to be naturally slowing down on labor because we are getting down to the point to where all the makeup jobs that we lost through COVID are, is going to be set. So naturally, it should slow down. So that doesn't mean it's a recession. It's just a slowdown. So they're getting what they want to see. For housing, I just think they're confused. 
I just think, I think they, they, they just put their heads down and just said, we don't care. And some of the comments they've made over the last 12 months, it just sounds like to me is like, well, we don't care. But the problem for them is that home prices are at all-time highs. Inventory is at all-time lows. People aren't moving. And one of the things I talked about with CNBC is the rubber band effect here. That if this goes off long enough, I mean, clearly the American homeowner is telling you, we could outlast the Fed. I mean, you fine. You want us to stay at home? We'll stay at home. But if this goes on for years, and then eventually at some point when rates do go lower, you got, I, I'm not a big fan of the pent-up demand. I've never liked the pent-up demand thesis. I always thought that was a marketing thing. But in this case, we we do know we have people that want to buy because when mortgage rates got down to 6%, we saw buyers and the Fed panicked again. Panicked. They panicked. And this time around, don't panic. If it happens, it happens, right? You got you to gotta, you gotta let this one go. Uh, and then hopefully we could get some normal supply and demand balances. Uh, I I'm still have a huge question mark on that because again, when rates go lower, inventory traditionally doesn't grow. It goes lower too. So uh, minimizing the damage at this point is, you know, hopefully the Fed is getting what it wants, the tax labor market. And the next time the 10-year yield breaks under 4%, it doesn't, you know, have to make these crazy comments anymore. So let's dig into some of the reports we got this year, week. You talked about jolts. Let's talk about inventory. Um, you wrote the tracker article this week, and um, new listings was was the a headline, right? Yeah that 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 was like I'm hoping that this is just you know before Labor Day weekend. There's some uh, dysfunctional. Uh, we usually get a, a kind of a dive and then a, a recapture on new listings data around Labor Day, but. We were having such a slow decline, and I loved it. And then it just it, we had a big decline compared to the last uh, six weeks. Active listings grew a little bit uh, uh, more than the previous week. So at this point, because we're kind of right at where the uh, traditional seasonal decline in active listing is, so my hope is that we just continue the seasonal increase longer to get some kind of uh, a, a better firming for 2024. And that's why I, I want to see the new listings data rebound, right? I do not want to see this data line make another. I was I was so excited all year that we didn't break to another new low, and uh, uh, that would that would be a, a a real big negative for the housing uh, market on the new listings data. Uh, we had pending home sales that came out today. We we saw a, a, a slight month to month increase that was beating estimates. And let's remember the, the same same premise as always: extremely low bar. Right, extreme low bar in home sales last year. I was trying to just say the same thing with new home sales. If you adjust it to cancellation rates, it doesn't take much to move the marketplace. So uh, we're working from near 21st century lows. If you actually take the workforce, which is over 156 million, rates fall like we saw November, December, January. Demand picks up, but rates haven't been falling. They're, they've been rising. So we got a little bit of a reprieve. On the 10-year yield, right? Remember the slow dance, Sarah? 10-year yield, mortgage rates, you know, that still works. It's 1971. Lovely couple, by the way. And um, bond yields fell, mortgage rates fell. And uh, get some kind of some kind of normalcy in the housing market. That might take, it might take a few years to get there, but uh, I, I did not, I was not happy with the new listings data. So I'm just hoping it's a one-off. So we also had purchase apps. Yeah, um, week to week we saw growth, which surprised some people. But you got to remember, again, 
we are working from the, you know, I can make a case. This is the lowest levels ever recorded in history adjusted to the population and the workforce. But remember, purchase application data is a trend survey. So you're really at a kind of all-time low. So I always, I, I kind of joke with my housing crash friends, we're already at near all-time lows. What do you, we, what do you think we're going to do? We're going to do it again? No. So um, uh, I, I just, it, yeah, there's so much frustration from the housing price crash people, but then again, they don't read. So what else is new? Um, but in this regard, uh, uh, we saw some growth. So, you know, November, December, January of last year, we had three months of positive purchase application. Mortgage rates were moving down with some duration. That's what the housing market needs. It needs rates to fall. It doesn't have to be fast, but it just slowly falls in duration so people can make choices. The problem you have is if you're if you need a six handle on a mortgage rate to buy a house and then you 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 put your home on the market, all of a sudden it goes back up to seven. It's not the most comfortable situation to be in, right? So sellers are buyers and everybody kind of has their level. So remember, total housing costs is what matters. So there's a lot of home sellers that have a lot of equity. So, uh, you know, like I've stressed since 1996, we rarely go under 4 million total home sales. Why? Because these home buyers, sellers that are buyers, are less uh, uh, rate sensitive than the ones that, you know, when we were at six and a half million in January of 2022, and we saw that crash in sales. So duration, lower mortgage rate with duration is, 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 would be very useful for the housing market at this point. But again, um, we said 2023 is going to be about the labor market. So what happened this last week, labor market got softer, bond yields uh, retreated. The growth rate of inflation has been falling for some time. It doesn't matter. We were basically near, we broke to uh, uh, yearly highs on a 10-year yield with the growth rate of inflation being uh, lower. So now labor labor is in control. So we got Jobs Friday coming up. Uh, so that'll be a big one. And then with job openings falling as it has so much now from the peak, you see the trend being formed. So hopefully this was a good, like as soon as I saw the job openings data, I tweeted that. I said, the Fed is smiling big. They're happy. This is what they wanted. They're getting it. So hippie Kaye, go for it. So I'm here with Brenna Nath, the leader of Housing Wire's HW Plus and events business. Brenna, welcome. Hey. So we're going to talk about Housing Wire Annual for a minute. So I don't know if this event is for you. It's certainly not for everybody in our audience, but it is for the leaders of the housing industry. We have built Housing Wire Annual for mortgage banking, mortgage origination, capital markets, and real estate brokerage leaders. Brenna, give us a glimpse into what the leaders of our industry can expect at Housing Wire Annual. It's always great to know who else is going to be in the room, right? So, I mean, just this week, wrapped up a call with Ginger Wilcox, who is now the president of Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate. That's a great example of someone who's been across the housing, real estate, mortgage industry. Other great speakers include Baron Silverstein. He's the president over at New Res, Cindy Keith, chief strategy officer at NFM Lending, Alec Hansen, chief marketing officer at Loan Depot. I'm specifically saying their titles and the companies because I think that really lets you have a perspective of who are the peers in this space um, and really some of the biggest companies out there that you want to kind of mingle with. We're also bringing some of uh, the industry thought leaders and economics and data like Logan Motoshami and Mike Simonson, who are both part of our team at HW Media. And Sandra Thompson from the FHFA is also joining us. So like I said in the beginning, this event is not for everybody in the housing industry, but it is for the leaders who want to help define the future of mortgage and real estate. If you're interested, check out our website. It's October 10th at the Hyatt Lost Pines near Austin, Texas. 
Brenna, any other details? Uh, it's a great place to bring your family, I would say. But even if it's just your team or coworkers, this is a great spot to bring those people closest to you to either learn about the industry or spend extra time with your family and rest along with Get the Knowledge. Okay, so I, as you mentioned, I was gone last week. I was in the UK and everywhere I went, I had a conversation about housing. So, you know, we had a driver who took us out to, you know, different parts of the country. I just every everywhere I went, I talked to people and wow, that 30-year fixed rate, amazing. So I talked to one guy, he bought his house in 2021 and he was really lucky because he got a five-year mortgage. I'm not sure why, but he said a lot of his friends got two years and it resets it two years. Like you have to get a refi in two years. Well, you know, obviously you know, that would have crushed him. He's, he's feeling so good and he has a five-year mortgage. And I'm like, he's like, I can't believe you guys have 30-year fixed mortgages. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't know how you buy a house if it's going to reset every two years, at, you know, in a rising interest rate environment. Sarah, it's, it's one of these things. The world hates us. The world always hates us. That's why. I mean, when you're a king, right, the world hates you. That's fine. But here, Canada, London, Australia, there's all these countries that have short-term rates, two, five years, or you know. So it recasts. The thing is that all these countries used to have much hotter home price growth than we had, because as the global interest rates were so low, short-term rates, that's what impacts them. So it was they were they had lower rates than us for many, many years, but they're paying the piper now because as global pandemics do, they create inflation, and as they create inflation. Then here we go. Short-term rates have to go up. So all these purchases were, you know, based on short-term rates staying low for a very long time. Not the best thing for uh, for Canada, uh, London, or, and other countries. Here in America, we're all good. Thirty-year fixed mortgage, fixed debt costs, rising wages, and you know that thirty-year fix is a hedge against inflation, but also a hedge against the Federal Reserve. That's the thing. So you've got you've got your shield against two of your enemies that are trying to make your life harder, uh, uh, and they hate us for it. They absolutely hate us for this. And uh, it's the crown foundation of the, you know, going after the forbearance crash bros, or go, you know, talking about stock traders don't understand housing economics. The payment is the most valuable aspect here, uh, not so much of the price or the nested equity. Uh, so that payment, you know, you have to. If you sell your house, you have to, uh, you know, obtain another payment unless you're buying something with cash. So uh, that's 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 a, a big reason why so many other countries hate the U.S. housing market. Thirty-year fixed debt, fixed debt costs, rising wages. American households are good. Yeah, he was like, "So do you own like four houses?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> I do not own like four houses. He's like, man, if I had that, I would definitely own, you know, he he already owns several, but um, it was just such a wake up call. I was, you know, I was asking him all these questions. And like I said, every Uber driver I had, which was a lot, um, every guide I had, the people that we talked to, real estate is a huge topic over there, just like it is here. I was at the dentist this morning and my dentist, um, I was telling him, I said, okay, you can, you can do this work, but I have to, I'm on a podcast. <laughs> I have to be able to talk. And he goes, what's your podcast on? So we started talking about it. And uh, he has he has homes in Miami. And so we got onto the Miami market. And it's just, I, I love that real estate is the thing that brings us all together. Well, uh, you know, everyone has to live somewhere. That's the thing. They do. Um, yep. So you're either renting or you're owning. And uh, um, 
you know, you, your your home is your home is where the heart is. So, uh, uh, it what one of the things about you know qualified mortgage, and I think I think people who followed me in the previous decade, they, my it it was a basically an act of war to make sure lending standards didn't ease. I mean, it was just a huge talking point of mine. I said, listen, when it comes. When something bad happens, you'll all understand why I've done this. And here it is, right? The United States housing market has an un- has Captain America shield right there, right? Inflation, aggressive Fed, all these things happening, but that shield protects you as as a father, as a mother, your children, right? That's there to protect you. Uh, and some of the most bearish American and Russian citizens who basically want everything to explode up. They hate the 30-year fixed mortgage because it gives you a peace of mind. And uh, hopefully by now, now that we're almost in September, um, that uh, people could see the value of having boring residential lending, right? It's a good thing. Boring is a good thing, you know, and that's, that's it. It'll, when, when, when it gets chaotic out there, right? The butterfly chaos theory, COVID, forbearance, the biggest mortgage, homeowners are just chill, right? They're okay. As you mentioned earlier, we are going to have a housing wire debate tomorrow. So actually the the day that this comes out on Thursday, uh, between you and the chief economic strategist for Golden Coast Consultants, Gregory Crennan. I'm going to moderate. It's going to be a great debate. We're really excited about Gregory being on there. He's excited. Um, And I just think it's going to be great because we did this last year. Um, we had a uh, uh, Mahanad Anna who came on and made a good case. I think that the it stats, didn't end well. The data since then has has disproven <laughs> Just his saying, theory. Sarah, <laughs> so, so I w- w- one thing I want to um, obviously this last week when Kate Schiller index at an all time high and m- most of the home price indexes are all at all time high. There's there's such a shock and awe and get my job. The old high school basketball coach, the old historian in me, my job is to teach economics. So I encourage everyone, if you really wanted to understand what happened, because I I would think the June 2022 to June 2023 was the most chaotic housing time ever, right? Because it wasn't like, you know, we, we had so many, you know, hot, fast variables moving together. The podcast that Sarah and I did, you know, um, why higher rates didn't crash home prices. It is a tutorial. It is job to to educate people. Because the, the way I look at it, the only way you defeat a troll arc or army is to you have to educate people, you know, to read and to understand how it works. Because then they are useless because there's so much disinformation out there. That's how you how you get it. You teach people, you know, to fish, right? You don't give them a fish. You teach them how to fish and they'll be good. And that that podcast, uh, which is our most popular one, it's it's designed to teach people what happened. Why are home prices at all time highs? Why like everybody was all in every single year, but now with mortgage rates high, and again, remember household balance sheets are different. Uh, educated Americans don't sell you their homes at major discounts when they're doing well. It's it's a, it's a it's a crazy premise, but that's that's not the case. So hopefully that explains everything. And in in the debate, it's going to be just like last year. I want to hear another person's view so you can all see what needs to happen in their eyes. And you're going to force people to give you their models, right? Last year, we did it. We had you know uh, uh, the model that everything has to revert back to a mean, that sales decline so much that prices have to decline. Didn't work, right? So my job is to make sure all of you are the detective, not the troll. 
The detective, not the troll. You know, I did go to the Sherlock Holmes Museum last week and took a picture and put on Instagram that said, Logan Motoshami, be the detective, not the troll. It was it was a, a great tour. But I think that um, I encourage people to uh, tune in. We have like 500 people already signed up for this debate. It's clearly something that people are interested in because they're like, okay, well, what are the arguments against it? What are the arguments for it? What should I be looking for? So it is going to be amazing. So people need to sign up for that. They also need to come and see us at Housing Wire Annual. When we do, not only are you giving a keynote on the economic side, but you and I are going to go to battle about the mortgage rate lockdown. And I, I think our, our listeners probably heard you say lockdown earlier in this podcast. And then you quickly said something else, but you were like locked in. And I was like, Oh, no, the COVID, the the COVID, the COVID took. COVID-19 lockdown is not a mortgage rate lockdown. No, no, no. That's so not the I, I, I cannot, I, nope. I cannot wait to actually do this because if I don't if you actually remember, Sarah, I don't know if you remember, the the kind of one time that new listings actually grew in 2022 was when mortgage rates were rising on a year-over-year basis. There's actually no data in the last three years. When mortgage rates were falling, that new listings data kind of any, any anything deviated. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do the whole case because you know this is actually something that's I've talked about for over ten years. Uh, the way I'm gonna discuss it is gonna be framed in in a manner for for people to understand. But for for me uh, at the Housing Wire events, uh, a lot of the best discussions not is not just on stage, but it's what happens after the stage. Uh, uh, and uh, usually we get into really in depth. So. Come to annual and then uh, ask me direct questions. I know uh, over the last few events that we've had with Housing Wire, uh, a lot of good information was disseminated in that manner, uh, uh, and and people went with that and uh, uh, and helped their business. So again, not asking a question is a bad thing. Asking questions, uh, uh, having uh, more intimate discussions, especially over s'mores. That's what we're going to do. Uh, um, that'll that'll be very positive for you because I think I could explain things even better to you if it's a one-on-one conversation as well. And that's what Housing Wire Annual is really about. It's not just the discussions we have on stage, but it's the discussions that we have off stage and all the different uh, uh, avenues uh, uh, and events we have during the few days we're there. It is going to be fantastic. Well, Logan, thank you so much for joining me today. And I will talk to you again in a few days. Pleasure, Sarah. And thank you for kind of the hall pass to do what I want for about a week. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.